Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the I Can Hear Music podcast. On this week's episode, I sat down with the co-owners of SIR, that stands for Studio Instrument Rentals. SIR is a company um, that started here in Los Angeles that basically provides backline and rents um, instruments and amps and things like that to bands. And they also have uh, rehearsal studios on their premises. Um, I sat down um, with founder and co-owner Ken Barry and co-owner Michael Johnson, and I sat with down with them in, uh, last October in 2017, which was their 50th anniversary. So for those of you who don't know, Ken Barry is Jan Barry from Jan and Dean's brother. They also have an, had another brother um, named Bruce Barry, uh, who was a roadie for CSNY and for Neil Young for a long time. He ended up dying of a heroin overdose, and that's actually who part of the song The Needle and the Damage Done is written about. But anyway, I sat down with these guys, and we kind of talked about the history of SIR and kind of, because they have locations all over the place. They have them here in, in New Orleans and in uh, and New York and everywhere. So we kind of talk about some of the different locations. Um, also, kind of like the Dean podcast, I'm going to break this one up and just introduce the clips because I felt that's the best way that this one works. Also, I kind of want to remind you guys to follow me on Instagram at I Can Hear Music Pod. And also, I'm on Twitter, and you can follow me there at I Can Hear Music 3. Um, also, you can go to the Facebook page for I Can Hear Music. And also, please remember, we are on Stitcher and the iTunes, uh, the, on the iTunes store. So if you can go on there and maybe leave a review and rate it, I would greatly appreciate it. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the I Can Hear Music podcast with Ken Berry and Michael Johnson. All right, guys, on this first clip that I have, um, it's kind of Ken Berry telling the story of how he kind of founded SIR. Something that didn't come up on this podcast, but actually Dean Torrance told me when I did the one with him, was that actually the equipment that they would first rent out was actually Jan and Dean's stuff. When they would leave for weekend gigs or go on the road, Ken would actually rent out their own personal equipment to people um, to, for renting. That's how kind of he got the idea to start SIR. Um, so on this clip, it's just him kind of going through the history of SIR and kind of the first acts that they started working with. Well, a friend of ours named Brian Bruderlin, mm -hmm. who uh, was putting together a recording studio. Okay. And it was called Paramount Recording Studios on Santa Monica Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were helping him uh, build a studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I went to high school with Brian. In mm -hmm. fact, my father went to college with his father. Oh, wow. So he And uh, at Caltech. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were friends growing up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'd help him uh, build a studio, uh, the construction part of his studio. Uh -huh. And he was a... Uh, whiz kid with electronics and took an interest not only in music but in electronics and recording mm -hmm. and he built his studio and uh, so I was the only one that had a job and so after my work I'd come up and kind of you know, help out a little bit and I'd buy everybody dinner mm -hmm. while uh, they were working, and um, so <clears throat> he built a studio, got it started, and uh, so I asked Dolph, who was a friend of mine from college, mm -hmm. to come out from Minnesota, he was living in Minnesota at the time, mm -hmm. to work with Brian and help uh, uh, garner some business in the music business, because he was a pretty good sales kind of a person. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
we kind of learned that there was a need for musical instruments. Mm-hmm. And so Dolph and I, out of working <coughs> with Brian, mm-hmm. decided to form the business renting equipment. What year did it start? 67? This is the 50th. 1967. The 50th anniversary. Yeah. And uh, who, who were you like, who was renting stuff back then? Like, were there like, like were you doing backline for bands or is it just simple music? Well, uh, we started in the recording studio. Oh, okay. And therefore, that's where we got our name, Studio mm-hmm. Instrument Rentals. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were uh, doing work in the recording sessions, mm-hmm. before the recording sessions. Who was that? Who was recording? <clears throat> well, our, one of our first uh, artists was uh, Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Okay. And then we did a lot of work for Sonny and Cher. And oh, no way. Then... Uh, that's the uh, first record I ever purchased. Uh-huh. As I'm 10 years younger than Ken. Uh-huh. But my first purchase of any type of record was Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, uh, Devil with the Blue Dress on. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, guys, this next clip is me talking to the co-owner, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson started in 1971 here in Los Angeles, and then I know he eventually went up to San Francisco and then out to New York, and maybe he even went down to Texas for a little while. But this is him talking about um, how he ended up joining the company and what it was like working there in his early days. When I started with them in 1971, uh, I had been out here from Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, with a band, and uh, didn't get a record deal, and I... Uh, started working you know, doing deliveries mm-hmm. and uh, I my band went back to Utah and uh, out of money and uh, I was staying at the store uh-huh. you know volunteering for anything and everything uh-huh. and it was just very very busy uh, music business was thriving in the 70s people were selling records you know it yes was much different business um, than today, um, but uh, they were very. The, the company was uh, well respected and, and appreciated, both by the people and the studios and the artists. And In this next clip, this is me talking to Michael and Ken a little bit about working with the Stones, uh, not selling a piece of equipment to Neil Young and uh, talking about uh, actually selling a symbol to Max Weinberg. So check this clip out. Dealing with the English uh, contingent, we got Eric Burden, one of our big clients, and a lot of the English bands and came the over there. Were, we did with the Stones. Charlie Watts mm-hmm. today plays uh, a Maple Gretsch kit mm-hmm. that S-I-R-L-A sold, to, uh, <laughs> sold him. Uh, he didn't use it uh, right away, but today, for the last 20 years, you see me, you'll it? see that maple kit up mm-hmm. there. That's an SIR Gretsch, SIR LA Gretsch kit that you guys sold to uh, Ian Stewart. I'm sure yeah. they didn't steal it. No, they wouldn't do that. No, no. <laughs> we've, lot, we've sold uh, quite a bit of our stuff uh, over the years. We get approached every once in a while by somebody that just has to have that really? Marshall top. I turned Neil Young down for a Marshall uh, <laughs> top. He called me. He's been a... Ken's brother, uh, Bruce, 
worked for Crosby, Stills, Nash, yeah. and Young, and uh, we did a lot of work for Neil. And I was already in New York in the '70s, which was our third location. And uh, Neil called me up at our apartment at 200 Central Park South. And I remember the serial number was 8008. <laughs> it was a 100 watt Marshall top that he had had. We were not billing him a lot, but he wanted it. And I just, I just couldn't let it go. I, that, I, I turned him down on it, and he's never forgiven me. I know we sold uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, either a telly or a, uh, a, a, a Fender uh, a Tweed amp. And uh, Max Weinberg, the drummer, he came in and had to have a 20-inch K Zildian cymbal. He says, let me go to Manny's right now. I'll get you a new one. And being that we were rehearsing Bruce uh, before the Born to Run record in mm -hmm. New York, and, you know, I was such a nice guy, I said, sure. So he just ran to Manny's Music on 48th Street, came back with a brand new 20-inch ride cymbal. Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's still, that's his, that's his primary pointy-inch K-Zillion, you know. Next, here's me talking to Michael about them opening up the San Francisco store and him working with, uh, with uh, Bruce Barry and kind of talking about some of the bands that they worked with up there. And also, we talk a little bit about, because um, they worked with closely with Fantasy Records, uh, which owned the rights to uh, all the Credence music, that huge lawsuit that John Fogarty got into with Sal Zantz. So we kind of talk about songwriting, publishing a little bit, a little bit about Brian Wilson having Sea of Tunes sold by his father. So check out this next clip. You know, San Francisco, you know, was, uh, we had a, a little location on South Van Ness, and uh, Bruce Berry, who worked for CSN, and Guillermo, who worked for CSN, they were... They said they were going to do it, and then they were so busy working for the band, mm -hmm. that's why I got enlisted to go up there. Yep. And, uh, and I had, uh, we had a really great three years there that I was there. Um, I, I left in April, I flew into New York April 15th of 74. But the three years that were there, we did build, you know, everything for Bill Graham uh -huh. at Winterland. Um, Oakland Coliseum, Berkeley Community Theater, uh, uh, any any Bill Graham venue, you know, yeah. we would have Bill Graham Auditorium. Right, if there was rental here, yeah. Well, it was called something else. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, uh, I forget. But um, no, it was good. I I loved it. You know, mm -hmm. I lived in Marin. Um, used to make deliveries to San Rafael to the Grateful Dead, who always needed B3s and Leslie's to, you know, uh, uh, quite a quite a road crew of those guys. Uh, Ramrod, the Kid, uh, Steve Parrish, uh, real characters. Mm -hmm. Pretty pretty funny to try and make a delivery <laughs> to those guys. They, you you would. You would be the brunt of any <laughs> of any humor that they could come up with. You know, yeah. um, we moved uh, after I got there. We moved in '72 to 826 Folsom Street, right across from Columbia Recording. I don't know if Columbia, if there still is a studio there or not, but 
So we were right across the street from where Santana was doing their third record, Simon and Garfunkel, um, uh, Chicago, uh, a, a lot of work went there. Sly and Family Stone was a big customer oh, in San Francisco. We did a lot of work with them. And uh, Tower Power, uh, the Doobie Brothers, big client. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there weren't that many studios up there. There was Wally Hyder's, which was a Not big name. Bad. I think Wally Hyder's had a studio here in L.A. as well. Why, that I was a big was name. He had a remote truck, too. That really? Was very, very big. Wally Hyder uh, oh. had a remote truck, yeah. And then, uh, then Columbia and then Record Plant opened up in Sausalito. Mm -hmm. and, that was, and then we had Fantasy, the guy that owned all of the publishing for... Uh, Creedence, yeah, Fantasy Records yeah. and Fantasy Recording. Yeah. Nice facility. Yeah. Oh, sure, you make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Saul Zantz. Yeah, Saul Zantz. That's yeah. Right. Not, uh, you know the story there. He, it, yeah, yeah. He had yeah. all the publishing. Yeah, yeah. Already you know, I, I don't think artists really understood publishing. Well, they probably, I, when, is it true, they probably didn't see when, when the they're, when they're When they're so young, yeah. when they're young, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, they just didn't put a high value on publishing. They yeah. just, they, they sold it all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Cream sold their publishing for $250,000 to Robert Stigwood, uh, which seemed like a big number to mm -hmm. them, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Um, uh, Brian Wilson's dad sold his publishing. That's awful. You know, for sea of Tunes. Sea of yeah. Yeah. Did he get some of that back or no? I, I don't know. It's, it, that's a, did you know, Ken, did you know uh, Murray right. Wilson? No. Do you remember when the publishing was sold, was, was, did Jan ever mention it? Because Jan used to hang out with Brian mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the, Wilson's would be over at the Berry House, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, they were. Did, did you ever hear the backlash from when uh, Murray sold their publishing for? I think no. It was, what was it? Nine hundred and fifty thousand. Something like that. Yeah, to uh, <coughs> Irving uh, to uh, Almo Irving Publishing, who still own the publishing, as far as I know. I don't know who owns Almo Irving at this point, yeah, but. Yeah. You know, Didn't Michael Jackson buy the Beach Boys stuff? He bought the Beatles. Oh, the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I think I think uh, I think uh, Paul McCartney told him to invest in publishing because Paul McCartney, I think, yeah. owned some of Buddy Holly's stuff. And, yeah, yeah. And so you know, see what he, happened. He hyped him up on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he secretly outbid him. Yeah, outbid him and took it. It's, I mean, it's, Paul it's and Yoko could have come up with that yeah, extra absolutely. ten million easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. All right, guys. And for this final clip, I talked to Michael a little bit about him opening the New York City store. Um, he tells a really good story about going to the bottom line and checking out Tower of Power one night, too. So I hope you enjoy this. Yeah. I remember I went there April 15th of 74 because one of my clients, uh, the, the uh, Tower of Power, were playing the bottom line in New York. Mm -hmm. Great little club downtown. That, that, where is that? Is it in the Lower East Side or is it... It, lower, lower East Side, yeah, near, near NYU, yeah. Real, real closer, called the Bottom Line. Mm -hmm. Everybody played there. Lower West Side, isn't it? No. 
It's uh, it's right by NYU down there. Um, fourth and Bl Fourth and Mercer. Mm -hmm. Fourth and Mercer was the corner they were at. And uh, I went to the show that night, and uh, and uh, the horn section was very. They were young guys, and they were all dancing around mm -hmm. on this kind of stage. And Lenny Pickett, who's been the band leader now for the SNL band, okay. Lenny, he, he's the musical director mm -hmm. for four, five, six, seven years. Um, he went off the front of the stage and broke his leg in the middle of the performance, <laughs> and that's why I always remember that <laughs> that show, yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, that date, uh -huh. and uh, and our phone just started ringing. Yeah. yeah, it was like they've been waiting for us. All right, guys. Well, that was this week's episode of the I Can Hear Music podcast with the owners of SIR, uh, Ken Berry and Michael Johnson. Uh, I forgot to mention in the intro, please make sure to go to my website at www.icanhearmusicpod.com. Uh, there's a link to the SoundCloud right there so you can hear all the episodes that I have released. Also, if you want to find out more about SIR or learn more about their history, you can go to www.sir-usa.com. And please be sure to tune into next week to the I Can Hear Music podcast.